Four of Dads from the Crypt, a Tales from the Crypt podcast. My name is Jason. I'll be your host tonight. And I am joined by Jody. Hello. And Mondo. Hello. How are we doing? Doing good. I'm alive, so that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Um, before we get going tonight, we have some housekeeping. We've got some very uh, exciting stuff that's going to be happening. We want to announce that we are going to do our first uh, Tales from the Crypt movie special. We're going to cover Demon Knight on August the 15th. Uh, and we're going to have a special guest with us for that. And we are going to have some uh, interviews with people from the movie. Uh, in front of camera, behind camera, um, very exciting stuff. And um, also, so we're telling you guys a couple weeks ahead to give you some chance to um, catch up on the movie because it's a little longer than the regular episode. And I can highly recommend the Scream Factory Blu-ray edition. Um, I bought it the second it was announced. Had it on VHS. I had it on DVD. I wish I had the, the Laserdisc. I saw there's some copies of the Laserdisc on uh, eBay if anybody wants to get me an early birthday present. Do you have a Laserdisc player? No, I just thought it'd be cool to have. Okay, fair enough. My friend, My friend's father had one we watched like terminator 2 back in the day on it yeah i mean anything by screen factory is just always going to be great but um definitely this is a great one lots of good special features great transfer etc so demon knight on august the 15th um and we'll be having weeks worth of uh interviews and special things going on so mark down your calendar uh go catch the movie or at least plan how you're going to watch it fortunately it's not readily streaming yeah, I think you've uh, you've got stars. If you want to get a free trial, is about your only option. Right, but I, I, you could probably get it like on iTunes. You have to pay for it on iTunes or um, Google or Amazon. I'm sure there's there's ways. You know, spend a couple shekels. You can rent it for four dollars, and you know what? As much free media as we get to consume, it's okay to mm-hmm. pay for media every now and again. Right, and actually, if you're a Googler, you can, there's a Google app that um, does rewards. And give you uh, Google Play money, and I have like so much money saved up in there because I you know, find other ways to watch things. But for the times I do want to watch something, that's really nice. So with that, um, tonight's episode, um, "Lover Come Hack to Me," premiered on June twenty first, nineteen eighty nine, and the big component of this, or it takes place pretty much on a honeymoon. So we thought we would take a moment um, and talk about, as married men, um, our honeymoons, Jody. Yeah, so uh, our honeymoon, uh, we were very young, uh, and so we wanted to do something big, and we took a trip to Jamaica, which is the only time other than driving to Canada that I've actually been out of the country. So uh, yeah, we spent a lot of time uh, on the beach, enjoying free drinks and free food, and it, it was very chill. We we are very, like, there is a side of Jamaica that's like the fun side where there's stuff to do. And then there's the side where there's nothing to do. We went to the side where there's nothing to do. 
Uh, you know, nothing we're not exciting people. Nothing to do sounds pretty glorious sometimes. Though. That's yeah. exactly what we wanted. The older you get, the more you appreciate having nothing to do. I appreciated it at 21. So. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mondo? So I got married at 19, so we didn't have a whole lot of money. As 19-year-olds don't have a whole lot of money, and my wife was pregnant at the time. We got engaged before she got pregnant. It was not a shotgun wedding. Um, and actually, our 19th anniversary is next week, so we're still together. 19 oh, happy, happy pre-anniversary. Oh, thank you. Um, we'll, uh, we'll give you the night off from editing. Uh, well, yeah, I hope. Uh, freaking uh, uh, tough tough managers over here. Uh, but yeah, we did. Uh, we literally stayed at, there used to be a kind of a cool hotel here called the Thunderbird. And they later transitioned into, I think it was called the Las Vegas Villas. So we stayed in the goth room, which is all painted up with, um, you know, like the wall was all like a grave, like, like a graveyard and all the decor was black. This. So we stayed there and that was pretty cool. And the next night we stayed at the Luxor. Um, which is a pyramid-shaped hotel, if you haven't seen it here in Las Vegas, which have kind of the coolest elevators because the elevators actually go diagonally, and they feel weird when you're riding them. They don't call them elevators. I can't remember what they call them, but they call them something different, and we got a jacuzzi suite. Mm. Yeah, you can imagine what happened there. Um, and uh, we went to go see the band. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and we went to go see the band Slayer, uh, my favorite bands of all time. Uh, this this was this would be August fifth, two thousand and two, and for any of you music nerds or metal nerds like I am, it was the first tour where they brought back their original drummer Dave Lombardo, and they played the best set I've ever seen in my life with all kinds of songs that they never played live before. So it was a cool thing, and uh, yeah, that was our honeymoon. You know, a, a, a young broke in love couple honeymoon, but wouldn't trade it for the world. Oh, that's that, awesome. I feel like this is extremely on brand for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and we also had sex. Just I didn't like, mention that in mine, but just, yeah. Just, just in case. Jody, I, think- I know everyone's wondering, but we did have sex. <laughs> now, Jody has seven children. Yeah. Ob- kid- six, six. Let's not exaggerate. Here. Oh, six kid- children. <laughs> he obviously had sex. I think the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> if you look at Jody's uh, wedding date, I'm pretty sure a baby happened nine months later. <laughs> the nine no, months yeah, later, we, we waited a while. We were a couple years later. <laughs> um, yeah, we, uh, right, like the day after the wedding, we took a train up to Seattle. We got married up in Portland. We took a train to Seattle, stayed in the same hotel that, that we stayed the night we got engaged. We actually, I proposed on top of the Space Needle because, you know, you gotta go with the cliche sometimes. Damn, romantic. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> but, uh, but I figured that way, if she can't get away, because the only way, <laughs> yeah, um, and already you have to wait ten minutes for, or just jumping over. So. Yeah, well, if she divorces you now, she has terrible memories of the Space Needle, so she can't have that. Yeah, <laughs> so we so we stay in the hotel um, the night that we got engaged. And then we stay at the same hotel the night of our the night after our honeymoon, and the next day we took a cruise to Alaska. That's pretty rad. Yeah, which is really cool, um, but. What I what we didn't realize was so pretty much all the boats are kind of the same. They all like set up for partying and they have those big slides and everything. But we take that boat in Alaska, even in the even in the uh, middle of the summer, it's still too cold to really um, yeah much other than the jacuzzi. So like all the water slides are shut down. There was there's a cool golf course like on top of on the very top level of the um, boat, but you had to like wear like a fleece coat to be up there because of the wind. I thought um, for a second you were going to say you got on the wrong boat and they took you to Alabama instead. Oh, 
Alabama from uh, Oregon or Seattle would be um, that'd be quite a trip. Oh, I know it makes zero sense, but that'd be funny at least. <laughs> um, Alaska was awesome. We went on some great excursions. We went on a beer, went to this uh, brewery, and the person it was like their first day. Those giving the tours, so they did not know what the hell they were talking about. So they just gave us as much alcohol as we wanted. What name was it? Anchorage Brewing? No, no, it was really small. Okay, like it was the town where like. The brewery was the tallest building in the town, and it was two stories. <laughs> it turned the roof into like a um, an eating a drinking area. Right on. Yeah. They, so they just gave us as much beer as we wanted. So that was awesome. That's the right way to tour. Yeah. So yeah, we had a great time on the cruise, and um, that's the only cruise I've ever actually been on. Um, and who knows? The next time I'm going to want to go on a cruise it, after you know before before everything we've dealt with over the past what year and a half. Um, I was never like super keen to take a cruise because I'm always thinking I don't want to be stuck in the ocean on a boat if something happens. And mm-hmm. then shit happened. And now I'm even more apprehensive to take a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole reason we wanted to do the cruise was just we don't have to worry about anything. We don't have to worry about as few things as possible after the wedding. We don't have to worry about checking in, checking out of any places. We just want to be somewhere for a week and just that's cool. Don't have to worry. Yeah. That, that's what when we went to Jamaica, we went to one of those all inclusive places. Mm-hmm. So like we didn't have to worry about paying for anything unless we want, wanted to buy souvenirs or something. And yeah, the hundred percent. I didn't want to think about you know stuff. That's cool. Just show up and relax. Yeah, if I can, yeah. I think you guys probably have the same sentiment. But the older I get, the more I realize it's don't spend a lot of money on the wedding. Like have a cheap ass wedding. Screw everyone that wants to have wants <laughs> to come to your wedding. Like. Dude, if they're coming there just because they want free drinks, like, like fuck them. They, they don't deserve <laughs> to be there. Um, spend your money on the honeymoon, man. Have a killer honeymoon. Yeah. Or at least have like a really cool party for all your friends. Yeah. Just like fun. Yeah. Um, and the other thing was that, you know, the crowd was actually a lot older than we were expecting. <laughs> we were definitely on the younger side because, you know, Alaska is not like the, the party place to go. Again, this is in the summer. Um. So it's definitely an older crowd, a lot of people taking grandma, you know, on probably could be like their last family vacation. <laughs> I'll let that vibe going All on. right. Uh, hold on a second. That is worse than anything I've ever said on this podcast. Like <laughs> Jason sure pretty much marking old women for death. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find a way to top it. The uh, other really interesting thing is that I guess there's some law that if you go on the cruise of some sort, you have to stop in a foreign country. Um, I don't know exactly how this works, but for whatever reason, we had a one day uh, stop in Canada huh. in, uh, I think it was Victoria. So we stopped and there was a excursion to a castle. So it was okay. like, cool. Right. We'll That's at least a cool way to do Canada. Yeah. So it was like, okay, we're going to go see a castle in Canada. So it's the one only time I've been to Canada. It was okay. It was fun, pretty good. Fun fact. Uh, I'm not allowed in Canada. Go on. I was about to say, uh, I feel like we need more. Yeah, the rest, the rest, that the rest of that story can be off, uh, off air. <laughs> That'll be for our Patreons if you ever get one. <laughs> Mondo's special um, confession episode. I mean, I'm not 100 percent sure I'm not allowed in Canada, but based on their laws, I'm pretty sure I'm not allowed in Canada. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, if you have any Canadian listeners, um, sorry, Mondo's not coming to visit. <laughs> Okay, um, Jordy, why don't you hit us with a plot synopsis? Okay, so uh, this is a really straightforward episode. Uh, of the ones that we've done so far, um, this, this is pretty simple. So a um, man and a woman, 
they uh, get married uh, to the protest of her old aunt. And uh, she says he's just in it for the money. Uh, spoiler alert, he is in it for the money. But uh, he marries her and their car breaks down out in the woods somewhere. And just so happens that there's this old gothic house out there. And so they go in the old house and uh, I guess they're just cool with this musty old place being where they spend their wedding night. Uh, she decides to seduce him and she gets dressed up. She's, she's really kind of a uh, innocent person. You know, uh, she shows she doesn't have a lot of experience, uh, but then she puts on the sexy lingerie, does the makeup. And I guess she convinces him that uh, she's more than just her money. But then he wakes up in the middle of the night and sees her with some other guy out in the driveway and uh, they kiss and they talk and then they have sex on the couch. And then she picks up a big battle axe that's hanging on the wall and starts slicing this other dude to death. Well, when this happens, our main guy runs out to try to stop them and realizes, oh, wait, they're both ghosts. And he recognizes the names and realizes, wait, this is actually my new wife's mom and dad, and he was murdered on the day she was conceived, on their wedding night. And he wakes up from his sleep, thinking it was all a dream, but there's his new wife with the axe, then chops him up uh, after conceiving a child. So yeah, um, no, no big twist here other than uh, she wasn't really having an affair, but instead, uh, this whole family has this long tradition of coming out to this house, conceiving a baby, and then murdering the husband on the wedding night. Right, and the aunt comes back to pick her up. Yeah, the aunt comes back and is like, okay, how was the wedding night? No more men. Yeah, and she's totally in on it. So she was giving him a ton of grief and stuff uh, at the very beginning. Well, you're just here for the money and yada, yada, yada. But it turns out she was in on it the whole time. Yeah. So I guess I'm not really sure what her game was. Yeah. So the twist was that he was marrying her for the money. She was marrying him for the baby, (laughs) the baby. Yeah, Um, no, it's a, it's a weird episode because, you know, normally they have kind of this ironic twist here and I guess he got punished for his greed. That's kind of, uh, you know, everyone who gets killed on tales from the crypt has some kind of fatal flaw. So I guess it was his greed that got him killed, but she wasn't good either. Like everybody here was kind of crappy all the, all the way around. Well, maybe, uh, maybe she wasn't that bad because maybe she, maybe her whole family is only going after assholes. Could be. I mean, it's not like, you know, like I think if she was truly in love with him, she, uh, you know what? It's kind of a weird thing, right? Because she says at the end, like, this is the perfect, this is perfect. Right. And I have to end it right now. So maybe she was truly in love. But I also don't think she wasn't kind of wise to what was going on. Right. So she's trying to preserve their love at the height of like what they, well, like she's perceives as yeah. like the best it's ever going to yeah. get. When she was well, and it is kind of funny when, when she starts her, uh, you know, we have to save this moment. It's, you know, it's so pure right now. His only way out is to convince her that he doesn't love her. He's like, no, no, no. I married you for the money. I was coming to murder you. So uh, but then she's like, no. I was too good last night. You love me now. <laughs> and he can't. He can't argue it. Imagine so thought, that level of confidence. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was going to be the twist. I thought that she was testing him to see whether he would admit to marrying her for the money. That this was going to be like all some big setup to test to see whether he actually loved her or not. 
that's where I thought it was going to go. And then turns out that he was screwed either way. Either he was going to kill him um, or because she loved him so much or he was greedy and she was going to kill him anyways. Uh, oh, Jason, yeah. he was definitely screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I did meant to mention uh, this is by far the horniest episode that we've watched of this show so far, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'd say a third of it is made up of uh, two sex scenes. I mean, this is HBO. They're they're getting their HBO in. Yeah, this is like late eighties going to the early nineties HBO. Yeah, so. I mean it's it's PG thirteen HBO. You see this dude's butt a lot, but uh, it's oppor- equal opportunity. Dude, first of all, if I worked out as much as that guy did, I'd be like, yeah, man, like get all the shots in my butt as possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we do want to mention that the that there's only like three characters really in this whole episode. Um, the uh, woman is played by Amanda Plummer, who um, I think most of them really is from Pulp Fiction. She's Honey Bunny. She was also in uh, Joe versus the Volcano. She was recently in one of the Hunger Games movies. But I thought what's really ironic is she plays spoiler alert for so I carried in so I she was in so I married an axe murderer and spoiler alert she is the axe murderer in so I married an axe murderer I'm casting and yeah and here she's you know using a big battle axe to kill a guy so they must have seen that and say oh she can wield an axe and, and we can't <laughs> forget she was also the voice of Professor uh, Poofenplatz. In Phineas and Ferb, I have small children in my house, and I've watched a lot of Phineas and Ferb, not with any protest though. Yeah, I'm yeah, always happy to watch it. You know, um, that could be a dad tip one week is cartoons you can watch with your kids that don't yeah. make you want to stab yourself in the eyes with an ice pick. Um, Phineas and Ferb is one of those. Like, come on, it's a platypus. That's a secret agent. How can you go wrong? Just I think we still have that channel. I haven't seen that one. If your kids aren't watching Phineas and Ferb, they should be. Some great life lessons about how to treat an animal properly and <laughs> how to foil people if they try to take the world over. So you can't go wrong. It, it really is a fun show. And, and, they, for, and they really hammer home the point that snitches get stitches. Just saying. <laughs> uh, no, my kids' current obsession are Minecraft videos on YouTube. At least it's not crack cocaine. So it could be bad. Yes. Um, speaking of crack cocaine, uh, this episode <laughs> was directed by um, Tom Holland. Um, well known in the horror community as the director for the first Child's Play movie, Fright Nights, uh, the 80s version, not the remake, um, Langoliers, and Dinner. So he definitely has got some uh, Stephen King cred there. And it was also written by Malcolm McDowell, who um, is a very prolific writer, especially um, novels. But he also wrote uh, many episodes of Tales from the Dark Side. This is all the only Tales from the Crypt episode he did, but he did a lot of uh, really well-known episodes of Tales from the Dark Side. He also wrote the script for Beetlejuice. So he's got a thing for big gothic houses. Yeah. And one interesting thing about the house, like, it's kind of funny because they're walking up the stairs and you see this house. And on the outside, it's like a gorgeous, large kind of Victorian house. Mm-hmm. And inside, the wallpaper's all torn up and disheveled. But they kind of did a really cool thing with the cinematography. How they just they didn't really focus on any of that, but they walked up to this bedroom and the bedroom was gorgeous. And they they really played it up that like these. And she even mentioned it's almost like this was made for us. Mm-hmm. And they really yeah. played up like that the house is dilapidated, but they have these areas that they focused on where things are going to happen. We'll put it that way, right? Because she staged this whole thing, so like. 
the keys to the car disappeared. And she's like, oh, I don't know what happened to them. And, and she found the key in the planter to get to get into the house without. I mean, I don't keep the keys in my door. planter, but she knew right where that was. Yeah. So like, she's totally setting this whole thing up. My question is, so the only use this house like every twenty or something years. <laughs> So what they're just they have this gorgeous, probably very expensive property that <laughs> no one touches every 20 years. Well, they have money. I'm going to assume they put money into groundskeepers. Someone's got to clean the blood up. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're de- if you have I mean, I am not a rich man. I'm middle class, but I pay someone to mow my lawn because it's a pain in the <laughs> ass. So I'm, I'm assuming they're doing the same thing. Yeah. The, when you talk, when you mentioned that, actually, the lawn was like manicured. Um <laughs> So I mean, someone so, had to been keeping care, taking care of the outside of the house. Someone had to have knocked that tree down at the beginning too. So, uh, well, yeah, so yeah, she probably the aunt or someone uh, knocked a tree down and maybe planted the gun. I'm curious about that. Well, I think the gun was the guys. I think that's what he was planning on killing her with. He mentions it later in the episode when she's when she's when she's going to kill him, and she's saying, "No, you love me." He goes, "No, I brought this gun to kill you with." He he brings that up okay. specifically. Uh, but the weird thing is, is the aunt at the beginning was so adamant about him not marrying her and him just going away. If she knew the end result, why was she doing that? Yeah, it's just I think it's just to set it up. To yeah, but up. that but that kind of threw me it off because she knew it was going to happen. Like you think she'd be like, yeah, I don't care. I just go do your thing. Um Unless it was a case that maybe she wanted her daughter, her her, her niece to have uh, the perfect love like her mom had. But, um, I mean, she knew it was going to happen. Like, she knew this dude deserved to die. Well, yeah. I mean, there. I just want to be the level of rich that I can have a house that's made for nothing but conceiving babies. Because that's all this house is for, right? They own a house specifically for conceiving. Well, and for murder. It's, it's Jody, conceiving babies Jody, and murder. Jody, Jody, do you really want more babies? Circle of life house. Yeah, you Jody, you're done. Shut it down. I, I, I am done. If, if uh, I would be very upset to find out I wasn't done. Uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have a call to make to a doctor. Uh, our, our dad tip of the day is vasectomies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, there's not a ton to this episode. It's pretty small scale, small cast. I mean, the the acting is fun. You know, Amanda yeah. Bummer is great. The guy is played by Stephen Shellen. He did a lot of TV. He was in Step, the Stepfather movie. Um, was that his real hair, or is he wearing a wig? Oh, he had lovely hair. Yeah, his, would... his, his hair was pretty was pretty well done. As well, I was thinking like, is that a wig, or does he just use Pantene? No, if he went to a voodoo practicing uh, pawn shop owner, he would definitely want his hair. He could have your hair. Uh, uh, what is it? Jody's eyelashes. Uh, oh, sorry. Was it Jason's eyelashes? Jody's beard and my thighs. Yeah. And we're like the Voltron of. Uh, we'd be the. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I do want to ask. Um, after they finished. Uh, oh, they with finished. the seduction scene. Oh. Yes. Like I said, this, this is a horny episode. There's a lot of sex talk in here. Um, how freaked out would you be if right after that moment your wife looked over and said, We made a baby. It's this tiny, it's a little girl. That's a really scary moment for that guy. Yeah. I think I would be really freaked out on the wedding night. It depends. I know. How, well, it, it really depends. Like, let's be honest. Um, as as males, we are fucking stupid. And at in a moment, we probably like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> You catch me. My wife's not dumb. She knows if she catches me at the right time, I will say yes to anything. So that was probably that moment for him. He's like, "That's true. Eh, whatever. We'll 
We'll talk about this later. <laughs> he, he's in that haze. But it, right. it, it, yeah, it actually, he's whole, yeah, he's, he's feeling good. You know, he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll worry about this later. It reminded me, though, um, it, one of my favorite movies of all time is The Big Lebowski. And, mm-hmm. and it reminded me of that scene in The Big Lebowski when he has uh, when, when he has sex with Maud. And he's like, what are you doing? And she goes, it enhances the chance of conception. And he just spits his white Russian across the room. And that's exactly what that scene reminded me of. Cause <laughs> yeah. Um, what that actually, what that scene reminded me of, um, do you guys remember species? Oh yeah. 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 Where she has the, the aliens trying to, I mean, I, I, I was third. Yeah. I was 13 yeah. when species came out. So mm-hmm. I rented it several times in blockbuster. Yeah. My friend had a copy. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, there's a scene where she has sex with a guy, and then right after, well, she's trying to find the perfect genetic mate, yada yada yada. Um, and the brother, she has sex with the guy. She's like, "Oh, like it's it's happening, it's conceived, or something like that." And the guy's like, "Oh, that's not." The guy's like a doctor. And he's like, "Oh, that's not physically possible." But you know, she's an alien, so she knows this. That's what that made me think of. I, I love it. I love it, though. Like you mentioned, he was a doctor in that film because I feel like as a doctor, though, you kind of had that little heightened mental awareness when you're like, "Hmm." <laughs> <laughs> that just did not sound okay. Yeah. Um, speaking of, so he has that weird dream of what the ghost is. Is he is he having a premonition? Is the ghost talking to him? I didn't quite yeah. understand. Uh, I think that's one of those kind of tropes you have to just accept. You know, there's yeah. a lot of movies where people have dreams, and you know, he's in the house where it happened at, so it's almost like maybe external forces are playing upon him. Uh, I think it's one of those just kind of horror tropes you have to accept. Yeah, I, I was never sure if it was a dream or if he was actually like witnessing ghosts happening or I, I don't guess it really matters. But I, mean, I guess, well, they make it look like it's a dream. So, right. Is the one they make, I guess they're trying to fool us into thinking that she brought another guy in, but it's really her mother. Yeah. Uh, I guess I was confused on whether he's having a vision or whether he's having a dream. If he's having a dream, then how would he know? But if it's a vision, then why is he waking up? It just it was kind of clumsy. Yeah, like we Jody mentioned, this is, I mean, just to be honest, this is probably my least favorite episode I've seen so far. Um, mm-hmm. and only because I watched it yesterday, and I really didn't, yeah, I, this morning I woke up, I'm like, well, I don't remember pretty much anything I watched. Because um, it was pretty just straightforward, a lot of plot holes in it. Um, but you know what, it's, um, and Jody mentioned it um, earlier when we were chatting, it seems that like they really front-loaded this, this season, and kind of had those. Uh, they cherry picked those episodes they wanted to really debut the series with, series with, knowing maybe it's going to fizzle out a little bit. Um, I'm probably I'm actually going to assume that next week's episode is probably going to be a strong episode to end the season on. Um, but this seemed like one of the weaker episodes. They're just kind of going through the motions. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're basing all of these on like seven pages of comic book. So, you know, some of them are not going to have a lot of meat on them. Yeah. And what's interesting. Uh, so you said that the writer was um, Stephen Dodd. And uh, Michael McDowell, Stephen Dodd, the only thing he ever wrote uh, was this one episode of Tales from the Crypt. Um, he was a, he was a creator of Tales from the Crypt, but he was this is the only thing he ever wrote. So maybe it's a chance to say like, hey, man, get in there and show us what you got. And they're like, eh, OK, and uh, you can just go back to being creator. Yeah, I mean, they can't, they can't all be zingers and that's OK. No. And, and <laughs> you know what, though, like when you have a when you have a season or a show that spans seven seasons, you're going to have some that. Yeah, are going to be worse than others, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah and, you know, and I don't think it was necessarily bad. It's just kind of mediocre. You know, like it's it's not a terrible. Like there's a cool castle, and there's 
Honestly, this is probably the most blood and guts we've seen since the season started. That final hacking at the end, there's a crap ton of blood in there. So this may be the goriest episode so far. There's more sex in this than any other episode so far. So, you know, it's not the most interesting story, but it's HBO knows what people like. Blood and boobs. Uh, there's, there's no boobs, though. There's butts. Uh, but, you know. <laughs> blood and butts. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's still an entertaining watch, even if it's kind of like the bottom tier of I'm, what we've seen so far. I mean, this is almost like Red Shoe, Di- Red Shoe Diaries with some murder in it. It's fine. I mean, definitely the, the sex scenes while PG-13 definitely had that feel of like slow saxophone playing in the background. There's no uh, David the Company, though. Uh, no. Uh, um, the, the one thing I, I didn't like about it is that they use uh, this trope, and I, I kind of hate this trope, and it's been used not just in horror, but in comedy and drama and everything, where you have the so-called unattractive woman then she lets her hair down and puts some makeup yeah. on and suddenly she's yeah. gorgeous. Like Amanda Plummer is not an ugly woman by any stretch of the imagination, but it just kind of fuels that already body negative stance we have in America as it is. That that was kind of weird. I, I just don't like that trope in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a bit of a, bleh. but sure acting. Yeah. But acting wise though, she really does a flip there. Oh, she does. A oh, fan- yeah. She does a fantastic job. I'm not taking anything away from the actress, just kind of shitting on the trope because um, granted, this was this came out in what uh, 89? 89? 89. So you know, holy shit! How many? How many? Thirty two years ago? Oh my <laughs> lord! <laughs> I just, we, all, we all need a moment right now. Yeah, I just had that yeah. sudden realization. Like I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So I I, I kind of hate that trope in movies because it's just overdone. You know. But again, that was a staple of the 80s and 90s. So. It's easy to look back on that and say, yeah, that's terrible. But when looking at 2021 standards and what, what I've learned as an older man versus a younger man, but that trope is something that just never has really set, uh, sat well with me. So, Jordy, do you want to do a comic comparison? Yes. Yeah, so uh, the story in the comic, uh, this came from The Haunt of Fear number 19, I think, uh, from 1953. And the story is pretty much the same. There, you know, like most episodes, they've added some stuff in here, like the uh, the whole thing about marrying for money. Like in the comic, I think it seems like he actually is into her and you know loves her and wants to have a relationship. They don't do the thing where she looks exactly like her mom. He realizes it's a different person, so he doesn't think that she's cheating on him. But what I really want to point out from the comic this time is EC Comics. They were the main driver that led to the comics code. Uh, There was a lot of violence in them. Uh, Some of the other comics that we'll talk about later as we go through this had a lot of, you know, actual gore in them. The covers were pretty salacious. Like there's one where a guy's holding, one of the big ones was a guy holding a woman's head. You could like see the bottom of the stump as her head was cut off. So there was a lot of violence, but there was also a lot of sex because these comics were made mainly for kids, in 1953. This is Leave it to Beaver time. And I want to read you some of the captions from some of these comics, or from this comic specifically. So they end up in the um, the old house, just like in the show. And the wife immediately says, or he says, you know, it looks like there's some furniture and everything is okay. And she goes, well, there must be a bedroom and dot, 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 a bed. And then he says, are you ready to hit the hay now? And her response is, hmm, four M's in a row. Now, let me read this caption. 
And and Mondo, if you want to edit in some uh, some nice music behind this and thunder in the background or something. Outside, the storm lashed at the old house, but within, the newlyweds were oblivious to its fury, hearing only the pounding of their own hearts as they walked together towards the bed. The fire crackled and leapt, licking at the logs. The storm seemed to increase in intensity, raging and whipping in the ancient edifice. Between yellowed and musty sheets, Charles and Peggy were close, feeling the increasing intensity of their own emotional storm. And then the storms faded, spending themselves. The fire cooled, sleep and peace descended. Okay. All I know so, is jo- Jody definitely has a future as a romance novel um, audible. Well, uh, hang on. Or yeah, orator. That, that was a mild one, despite the... Uh, the, between the yellowed and musty sheets, they spent themselves. Uh, <laughs> but, but before Jody continues, if there are children in the room, uh, please send them to bed. The couple moved arm in arm to the bed that Charles had awakened in. He turned away, listening to their heavy breathing, their soft voices whispering. Embarrassed by the intimacy of the, of the scene beyond, Charles waited, staring at the blank wall, until their soft whispers faded and their gasp and sighs turned to the regular breathing of slumber. For kids! <laughs> um, I mean, for, for a comic from 1953 for kids, like, this is pretty heavy stuff. Uh, I can understand why some parents were like, I'm not really sure my nine-year-old needs to be reading this. I don't know about Jason, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure I need a cold shower right about now. Yeah, I can take a moment. Um, Jody, I think you need to start a um, YouTube ASMR. Uh, that, that's my next project. Reading uh, uh, comics. Comic book ASMR. <laughs> comic book ASMR. But yeah, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, um, DC Comics slash the comics up. code for a lot of reasons, and uh it wasn't just all the violence. They, uh, you know, I said this is the horniest episode. It's a pretty horny comic too no, uh, that, for 1953. That was straight so. out of like a letters to penthouse or whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and also in the comic, the ants isn't the character. They're like, they, it goes straight. Yeah. In. yeah. It, the, the, the show always throws in some extra. I mean, again, these are seven pages of comic books. So they really have to kind of pad it out, throw in the ant. Now, they do have the whole thing about, like, the mother and the grandmother had also done this same thing. So this is just, it's just a family tradition. Well, it's you know, tradition's of, good. Family yeah. needs to to build their own traditions, and this family has their tradition. Murder your husband on the wedding night after conceiving a baby the very first time you're together. Man. Beautiful. Like, family. I, I just want to know how they know they conceived. Right, that's kind of. Now, a, what if what if they were wrong? I they cracked the cycle? I guess. I mean. There's that for that. <laughs> I mean, if you guys ever want to talk about it, I know the exact moment of my daughter's conception, but that's a whole other story for another. That's <laughs> again a, pay, a, a Patreon tier if you want to hear that story. <laughs> no, I got I got a call from my wife to come uh, home for lunch one day. Yep, we know the day. All right, we're going into this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a technique you can use, and basically, when. It- <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see the video, but Jody just face palmed. Like <laughs> he might. Be- I just don't. I just know where we're going. I can think yeah, of lots yeah, of techniques yeah. that I know of, and yeah. I just I don't know where we're going with it. You don't know where we're going. This is how it went. We're not going to Canada. I said. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Are you sure it's okay?" She said, "Yes." 
Nine months later, we had a baby. <laughs> Pretty much how it worked. So that there's a technique um, you can use. And technically, after uh, we're totally a blaster for this because this is, I'm talking about 2001 hearsay. I'm not talking about 2021 technology, but it pretty much goes like this. Um, there were talks where if you counted down the days after your cycle, you didn't have to have a baby during that period. A lot of people use that technique. Um, do you know what they call that people? There is a specific yeah. term. Yes, it was called parents. Um, yep. <laughs> And that's how I had my first and only. But you want to know what? Wouldn't trade it for the world. So it's totally cool. <laughs> so one dad tip, not our official dad tip. Don't do that. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. Dad tip would be like, have a fucking man, have a ton of babies. Have as many babies as you want. But as, as many as you want is the key. Term. As you want is the key. Yeah. If you want zero, fucking have zero. Like no one should ever force anyone to be a parent. Some people, you know what? Everyone's got that friend. That they're like, yeah, man, that person should not have babies. Like, that's just, everyone's got that friend. <laughs> it, it, it works the same way with gun ownership, too. Everyone's got that friend that's like, yeah, that dude shouldn't have a gun. Um, uh, and that's how gun control should work. <laughs> you just ask all their friends, dude, like, it, is, it, is it, Tom it, okay? No, yeah, ex Tom's exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, gun control should just work. If you go to buy a gun, you submit your Facebook information. And they fucking message 20 of your friends and ask them questions. And if three of them say no, you don't get to buy a gun. <laughs> That's how it should work. <laughs> and you want to know what? Maybe it's short the same way with babies. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to have lots of babies like Jody, have lots of babies. If you want to have no babies, have no babies. It's totally fine. <laughs> See, this is what happens when we have a very light episode. We just go off on these tangents. <laughs> I just, there's not a lot of talk about in this episode itself. So, you know, we got, we got to go somewhere with yeah. it. All right. So how many bloody axes do we give uh, this episode, Jody? Ah, out of five? Out of five. Two. It's Two not five. a terrible time, but it's it's fine. It's It's a really kind of slight episode compared to some of the other ones we've seen. Let me get this down. Okay. This is as close to critical as I'll ever come. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> All right, Mondo. Well, I will be critical. I'm going to give this episode one. Wow. It Ooh, harsh. And, and I'm judging this based on the quality I expect from Tales from the Crypt. This episode actually, in my opinion, had the biggest flaw that you can ever have when it comes to horror. And it's horror doesn't have to be good, but it can't be boring. And to me, this was kind of a boring episode. Like I, I would tell anyone who's maybe listening to this before they watch the episode, this is a skippable episode, 100%. Like I, I don't think you should, if you're on the fence about watching it, I'm honestly going to tell people to skip it. It had some decent things. Like I thought the music was decent. The cinematography is decent. The performances, um, great. I thought the performances were actually really great. But at the end of the day, I watched the episode and it just kind of bored me. So I'm going to give it one. Yeah, I think the performances are what gives me, I'll give it two, and I think the performances will bumps it up from the one. Yeah, it was kind of boring, but the performances still kind of pulled me in every once in a while. But yeah, this is definitely the first skippable episode. I mean, yeah. for I, four out of five, you know, is a good batting average. Yeah, I, I'm a simple man. There was a lot of blood at the end, so that was cool. <laughs> so that, that, that gives it maybe a half point for me. Uh, but yeah, the performances... I wouldn't say 
don't watch it if you want to. Like, it's not bad, but if you're in a hurry and you don't want to try to squeeze them all in, yeah, this is one to, to move on. Okay, let's move on to Song of the Day. Mondo, take it away. All righty. So before I, uh, I go into song of the Song of the Day, a um, couple things I want to mention is the music in this episode was done by a man named Joe Renzetti. Uh, Joe Renzetti also did the music for Child's Play, did the music for the Buddy Holly story, and did the music for one of, uh, actually a film that Jody introduced me to about a year ago, Dead and Buried. Um, so It is a wonderful movie if you haven't seen wonderful it. Movie. I missed it for 40 years for some reason. It's great. So definitely a, a cool composer who's been working, it looks like, up until about 2017. Um, and uh, yeah, so just uh, that's kind of cool to know. And then, uh, again, before I get into the music of the day, uh, three pieces of kind of shitty information to share with you. Uh, our condolences go out to the friends and family of uh, Joey Jordanson from Slipknot, who was found uh, dead this week. And um, Dusty Hill, a brother of Hank Hill from King of the Hill, who passed away at 72. Uh, Basis for ZZ Top, who was, you know, like, if you guys haven't got a chance on Netflix, is a really great documentary about ZZ Top. Uh, whether you like the band or not, it's a really great documentary. And then uh, uh, the last one is uh, the singer for Metal Church. I think he joined the band in around 87, 88. Uh, Mike Howe passed away this week, too. So uh, never fun talking about musicians that passed out, that passed away. But, you know, um, the reason we talk about them is because we, we, you know, they touch a lot of people's lives. Yeah. It, yeah. This is just a, a crap week for that kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. I, my dad took me when I think I was in high school to see ZZ Top and Leonard Skinner. And I wasn't hugely into either of those, but they both put on a great, great, great show. So, man, so when I was young and, and learning how to play guitar, and this is, it has to do with ZZ Top, not necessarily Dusty Hill, but um, I was always trying to, I was learning some ZZ Top songs, and this is probably 20 years ago. And I was trying to figure, maybe probably a lot older than that, actually. But I was trying to figure out how he got his sound, how um, uh, Billy Gibbons got his sound. And he plays guitar with a quarter. <laughs> and that's how he gets like kind of that Southern. Just He, he has this un really unique, um, it's a muddy sound, but he's a great player. So it shines through. Um, and uh, man, when you're in, a, when you're in a, a, a small band like that, I don't mean small band as far as they're obviously a huge world-renowned band, but not a whole lot of members. A lot of times people don't understand, you know, people don't respect the bass player in most bands. But if you're a bass player out there and you want people to respect you, when you're playing on stage, just stop playing. Stop playing for three or four bars and everyone gets a little bit uncomfortable because suddenly that low end goes away. Uh, and uh, he, he was a great bass player and he was in one episode of King of the Hill as uh, Hank's brother. And, uh, and the tie into King of the Hill in this episode is Hank's wife's name was obviously Peggy. Thank Christ. If no one got that, I was going to quit the show and delete this. <laughs> no. I know my King of the Hill. Don't worry. I'm here for you. Um, I'll roll with it. So, uh, and I apologize if I get deep into uh, my song of the week or whatever because I'm very passionate about music. My song of the week, and the minute I watched this episode, I knew right what it was going to be. It was an easy, easy, easy selection. So uh, there is a band that came out in the 80s, and they're called Possessed. And again, uh, all you metalheads, if you haven't heard this band, you should. All you non-metalheads, yeah, you should too, because it's great fucking music. Um, they came out in 1985, but the first record was called Death Metal. Uh, 
and they literally were the purveyors of the modern death metal sound. Probably one of the first bands to really adopt the kind of uh, growly sort of cookie monster vocals, as they call them nowadays. Uh, and uh, in 1985, they came out with the record Death Metal. But one of their first songs they came out with, and they re-released it later on an EP called, um, uh, I think it's called uh, Eyes of Horror. Hey, horror, it fits in. Um, but they re-released that, but it was called uh, Swing of the Axe, uh, which I think is a perfect fitting song for our episode tonight, being that everyone died via Swing of the Axe. Uh, the, the song actually uh, debuted on a Metal Massacre album, uh, a compilation by Brian Slagle of Metal Blade Records. And if any of you guys even aren't metal fans, or you just know music in general, Metal Massacre was actually the first ever appearance of Metallica when they ever released any kind of song whatsoever, also released by Brian, Brian Slagle, who runs the... I don't know if he does today, but he started the Metal Blade record. Uh, a couple of interesting facts about the band is uh, Jeff Becerra, or Becerra, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, he actually, in 1989, was shot. Uh, a couple guys tried to rob him, and he said no, and they shot him, left him paralyzed from the chest down. He still plays live to this day. He's the only remaining member of the uh, original group that started the band. In 2019, they released a new record called Revelations of Oblivion, which I call one of my favorite records of the whole year. Just a dirty, fucking great thrash metal record. And he actually sings live in his wheelchair. And I think it's funny because a friend of mine went to go see Mr. Bungle, uh, Mike of Mike Patton fame, and possessed open for him. And he he took a picture and he goes, "Hey, this is insensitive," but he goes, "This is the most hardcore Lieutenant Dan cosplay I've ever seen." <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Um, went through a lot of shit, and then actually has gone on to help people with with similar conditions. Uh, but another cool thing, another cool fact about the band is um, their guitar player who started the band, and I have to get his name because I'm going to butcher his name, so I have to look it up exactly because I don't butcher it. Don't I'm going to butcher it. Um, Larry Lalonde actually went on to form Primus with Les Claypool. Oh, really? So he basically played in the early Possessed releases and then formed uh, Primus with Les Claypool and has actually done just a great musician has done a lot of work and actually has been on some uh, compilations and songs with Tom Waits of all people. <laughs> so uh, a, a really cool history of the band and the band legit did start the genre of death metal. People will argue that probably nobody listens to our podcast. will argue that they probably just skipped the section. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but possess swing of the ax as actually the first ever possessed song I ever heard. Uh, because on a compilation that I bought years ago. So Swing of the Axe fits really well into this episode. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, um, Jody, let's do some trivia. All right. So I'll try to find some trivia specifically about this episode. And other than the fact that the Crypt Keeper wears a cool little hat at the end, there wasn't much to talk about. So I found something related to the episode. Uh, we all know that axes can be dangerous that an axe can obviously uh, in this episode slice someone to pieces. But did you know that in 2013, a school was shut down and eight students were hospitalized because some of the sixth grade boys sprayed too much axe body spray and it caused sickness <laughs> in the school. All right, man. Like, I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, this is about to be a horrible fact. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not going full dark here. Uh, but yeah, so uh, at this school, uh, there uh, crews came in because there was a hazardous smell, and it was too much Axe body spray. Uh, but also uh, that same year, a student was hospitalized after exposure to too much Axe body spray. And a Connecticut high school said a fire alarm went off after a overabundance of Axe body spray caused the fire alarm to go off at a school. Holy so here's my tip. If you are a 12-year-old boy, because that's who uses too much Axe body spray, don't. Just don't. It doesn't make you smell good. It doesn't impress the ladies. They will not chase you and eat you like you're a chocolate bar, like the commercials imply. It will just make you stink and potentially send you to the hospital. Don't overuse Axe body spray. Well, there goes that sponsor. <laughs> I, I, have, I have never been around a girl who's like, you know what I like? Half a bucket of Axe body spray. Uh, like, I want you to spray it until it starts spitting out fumes. And that's, that's what I want in a man. I, I, I used to work with teenagers. Uh, and I remember we took a group of teenage boys to a camp. And I walked into their bunk. And the smell of Axe body spray was so overpowering. Like, this is like 13-year-old boys. That Jody it was so overpowering. I had to open the windows to this place just to have a conversation with them. <laughs> I was thinking you didn't, you didn't murder them with an axe. That would be it. I did not. Yeah. They, they were trying to murder me with axe. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, I mean, you know, don't use Look, axe. Don't use so, axe. there's your trivia. Axe is not just a name. Uh, it actually is dangerous. Or it can be. Okay, and that moves us on to some dad advice. All right, this hits right in with the Axe body spray discussion because uh, I want to shout out one of my favorite beard care brands. The beauty of having a beard is whatever you put in it scent-wise can be amazing because that Axe is your cologne. One of the problems in our society... Nah, I'm not going there. Uh, but one, <laughs> but <laughs> fucking... Just don't don't fucking bathe in cologne. It's stupid. You you smell ridiculous. The idea behind a good scent should be you should walk by someone, male or female, does not matter, and they should be like, hmm. Now you guys couldn't see me, but I turned my head to the right. Um, they should be, yeah. That was a good smell. I like that smell. That should be uh, the idea behind smelling good. And your beard will actually carry a lot of that scent. Um, pretty greatly. You also can't see Jody right now is completely stroking his beard in a very seductive manner. Um, when you start talking about beards, it's just kind of a distinctive <laughs> yeah. reaction. So I, I'm going to ask my other two uh, dad friends here what their favorite, favorite beard care brands are. But I have to shout out mine because it's one guy that worked out of his garage and it's called 1740, 1740. <laughs> now, it was the first balm I ever bought was from this gentleman, maybe nine, ten maybe nine or 10 years ago. And um, every time I buy another product, it might be good. It might be really good, but it's never as good as the stuff he makes. So I'm a very big fan of 1740 beard balms. He makes balms, oils, butters, pomade, soap of the highest quality. And I, I really can't stress enough how if you buy from him, you're supporting the beauty of a small business, a guy in his garage trying to make a living when he's not doing um, beard bombs, he's driving a school bus and making sure kids are safe when they're getting to school, which is pretty rad. Nice. Um, so uh, uh, my, my dad tip of the day is 
get some really good if you have a beard and you should have a beard if you don't you should grow one just <laughs> just don't shave for a long time it's fine and put some good smelling quality beard balm in it people will ask you what's that smell you might have heard me sniffing the air if you didn't. It's okay. But not only that, like one of the biggest, what are the biggest complaints that your friends say when they say, oh, how did you grow that beard? They say, I can't grow one because it gets itchy. They're not wrong, right? When you start growing a beard, it gets itchy. What beard balm does or beard oils do is they keep your skin nice and moisturized so it doesn't get itchy and you can grow a wonderful beard like my friends, Jason and Jody here. Um, so get, get yourself some great beard care products and fucking grow a beard. What are you waiting for? It's 2021. <laughs> yeah. The, the great thing about a good beard balm is unlike the X body spray, which you can smell, uh, 45 feet away in the middle of a rainstorm <laughs> is it's, it's subtle. You know, you kind of have to be close to somebody to, uh, to pick up the scents from the beard balm. So, uh, you know, a little bit of woodsiness in there, a little something uh, pleasant that pick something you enjoy because it's, it's going to be right up under your nose all day long. Pick something you enjoy that you like to smell. And then you have a subtle amount of uh, scent that uh, you can share with those who are close to you, not with the world. Exactly. And you want to know what? If you're married out there, you have a girlfriend. Fuck, man. Like, take her to the store with you. Smelly things are amazing for everybody. <laughs> Take her to a smelly thing store. I don't know. Like, I don't know what store <laughs> that is. But <laughs> I do know uh, Bath and Body Works, by the way, just came out with our Halloween collection. Oh, it's that season. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Fucking take your girl to Bath and Body Works. You know it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time afterwards. Maybe you'll make some babies. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I um, but but take take your lady with you and try out some different beard balms. Target even now has an abundance of beard balms. Yeah, um, yeah, it's gone it's gone really wide. But what you really should do is order from my buddies at seventeen forty beard balms. Unless Jason has another recommendation, which he might. So. Yeah, well, okay, not so much on the bomb side, more the maintenance side. So the two things that I do the most is um, I got a really good brush. So they say to use like boar's hair, I think boar's hair, or you can get a synthetic other, you know, if you're vegan or, you know. You can get the boar's hair brushes now from like wish.com. Granted, mm -hmm. we all know that wish has some suspect products, but for like $4, they'll send you three boar's hairs brushes from China. Yeah, so get get yourself a good brush and brush it, you know, ring before you go you're leaving for the day, you just want to get your hair like all straightened out. And again, if you're having itching issues, you might have some ingrowns. So that's a good way to kind of, you know, release all that. Um and then also I like beard shampoo. Um every time I shower. I like Professor Fuzzworthy's beard shampoo. Um it's like but it's it's like a block of it looks like soap. It's basically like a soap. But you just get a little wet. You just kind of brush it in. It gets sudsy really quickly. It's good for your face. Um, I like a good clean beard. So those are my beard tips. Soap and brush. Jody, any brands that you like? Uh, a couple of years ago at Christmas, my mom uh, bought everyone in the family. I come from a family of bearded men. Uh, got us some Duke Cannon uh, oh, yeah, soap. Man. Yeah, some soap and some, 
they do soap, deodorant, beard balm, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I do like their soap. Uh, it's kind of woodsy and it comes in a huge, it's a brick of soap that, I mean, it looks like it weighs five pounds. It's giant, uh, but it's really nice. It's good. Uh, like Jason was saying for washing your beard with, and they make some good beard balms that I like, uh, all kind of nice, pleasant woodsy scents. Uh, they are very, uh, help that they, they like to promote and help, uh, donate money to military causes. So that's kind of cool, uh, that they, uh, support people, uh, with the money they make. Uh, but it, I just like their products. It's good. They smell nice. Did get their ice cold body scrub. It's amazing. That it, sounds good. It makes you feel like you want. I love cold. I take cold showers as it is, which everyone should. That's a dad mm-hmm. tip of the day. Everyone should take cold showers. A lot of health, health benefits. Um, but that soap scrub just makes you feel like it's got menthol on it. You'll get all the shower. You feel all Little menthol is nice. Just don't, right. just don't get it in your butthole. Other than that, it's amazing. <laughs> All right, Mondo, send me a link. I want to check that out. But speaking to my, of cold to shower, my butthole, to my butthole or to the because <laughs> no. that costs twelve ninety nine a month. <laughs> to the, uh, to the the dads from the crypt only fans will be the least popular. <laughs> but um, yeah, cold showers. I I hear I've read a lot about them. I can't start a cold shower. I have to like I do a warm shower to do with the soap and everything and then as i'm winding down i slowly turn the temperature down i can't go into a shower cold i need a gradual release cold sh- same hmm? uh, is, is, i'm the same a, a, a gradual release is always more pleasant <laughs> <laughs> oh lord so this might be the horniest episode of dads from the crypt we've done so far how do you guys feel about T's in denial? Uh, just asking for. Uh, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I have no idea where to go from there. Um, but yeah, uh, cold- there is nowhere to go. Jason just has to wrap us up. <laughs> cold showers are great. Uh, that's the point where you know you gotta shut things down. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, Mondo. All right. No, I'm pretty that, sure. I, I'm pretty sure I live here. I'm pretty sure it's okay yeah. if I stay here. <laughs> All right. That wraps up another episode of Dads from the Crypts. Um, next week we'll be reviewing the season one finale at Collection Completes. Um, start making your plans to watch Demon Knights uh, coming up in a couple weeks. We would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and review on iTunes to serve the algorithms. Um, and with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypts. Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or I will follow you to the grave. (laughs) No, seriously, you really should watch, but be careful what you ask for. You may get it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>